This week, we're going to be talking about a very serious topic, suicide. If you or someone you know have suicidal thoughts, please know that there are people who want to help and that you are not alone. If you want to talk with someone right now, please call the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. My name is Randy Scott, one of the licensed mental health counselors at the University of Washington Bothell campus. I'm joined this episode by one of my colleagues, Teresa Hoffman, another one of the mental health counselors here at UW Bothell. All right, so let's acknowledge, first of all, as we get started here, that this is going to be a difficult conversation. Mm -hmm. It's a difficult conversation not only to listen to, but also to have, right? I mean, even for people who are trained counselors, talking about suicide can be a hard topic. Absolutely. So... With that said, um, I guess the first thing I would say is if you are listening to this, um, pause, take breaks, take care of yourself, right? If this becomes too difficult, you don't have to listen to it all in one big gulp, okay? Um, Let's get into it. Suicide. We know the rates are high. We know the rates are high for college students and also for other special populations like veterans. Um, What do you think is probably the biggest misconception, let's start there, about the misconceptions around suicide and suicide prevention. I think there's a lot out there. Uh, The one that comes to my mind is the idea, if I talk about it, I'll put that idea in their head. Um, And that is, the data shows that that is not the case at all. Um, And frankly, if somebody is already thinking about it, if it's the elephant in the room, um, most people are actually really glad that you said something about it and acknowledged it. Um, Yeah, I I think that's probably and I hear this a lot from students who are wanting to um, reach out to their peers. mm -hmm. That's one of their biggest concerns is if they bring it up, it's like, oh, what if they never thought about suicide? I can guarantee they probably have at some point. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the other thing is let's normalize that, right? Because when we talk about suicide, often in, you know, in our work, we call it suicidal ideation, Mm -hmm. right? It's how much are you thinking about it? Right. Right. And when we do that, we talk about passive, which is, I just don't want to wake up tomorrow Mm -hmm. and active. I have a plan. I have a way to do this. This is how I would do it. Here's what I want to have happen. Yes. But let's normalize it that everybody, I think, has those fleeting moments where they're like, man, life would be easier if I just didn't wake up tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the human mind is really good at problem solving and thinking about different things. And and to be fair, like that is a solution to a problem. It is not the solution or the one we want to choose necessarily but it is. And our brains are really good at coming up with solutions. That's that's how we have evolved. So um, a lot of people think of that, yeah. even if they don't consider themselves, quote unquote, suicidal. Um, there are those thoughts like, I'm overwhelmed. Gosh, wouldn't it just be easier if I wasn't here? Right. right. Or if all this pain just went away or if the stress went away. Um, yeah. So if it's normalized, then it's easier to talk about. I think that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and then like you said, you're not going to put the seed. You're not going to plant the seed in their no. head, right? You're going to maybe, maybe makes a sense of relief for them that it's like, oh, you mean mm-hmm. I can talk about this without feeling embarrassed or ashamed or bad? 
Yes. And that is actually the most important piece, right? Is because um, suicide happens in this like isolation, the sense of hopelessness, this sense of disconnection. And so when somebody does reach out and says like, hey, I'm noticing you're not quite yourself right now. And maybe they've picked up on some other signs or something like that. And then they ask you the question, what that's communicating is that, hey, you can talk to me. Like, I am not afraid of you saying that you've been thinking about this and I'm here to help. So that that even that sense of communication that 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 you're willing to hear them talk about something that is so painful, that in of itself is huge because it, it can often um, get worse when they feel like nobody they have nobody to talk to and they get more and more and more isolated. That's a really great point. You know, one of the things that um, I know that as counselors we look for is what are your protective measures, right? You know, what mm-hmm. what what is going to keep you alive? What is going to keep you around? And one of the first things that we go to when we're talking about that is support. Yes. Right? Who are you going to turn? If you start to feel suicidal, who are you going to turn to? Who mm-hmm. do you have? And often it's that sense of isolation that makes them feel like, oh, gosh, I don't have anybody. Mm-hmm. Right? So even just saying, hey, I am here if you ever need it goes yes. a long way. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about prevention because, mm-hmm. well, actually, let's talk a lot about prevention. <laughs> um, let's Because I think that once you get past the initial scariness of the topic, then you're stuck with, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Am I supposed to call the cops? Am I supposed mm. to call you know, a psychiatrist? What am I supposed to do right now? Yes. Right? What do you think? Yeah. And I think that this is really important to talk about because a lot of times we don't have this conversation or start the conversation because we don't know what to do next. Like we're afraid we'll get the answer. Yes, I'm thinking about ending my life. And then we don't know what to do with that. And so because we don't know what to do with that, we don't ask that question. Um, and then we just keep this this process of, of isolation and and that kind of thing. So um, there's, there's a lot of like programs out there Um, But they are all kind of run on basically the same kind of theme in terms of like, okay, what do you do? Um, And I'd like to actually kind of um, back up maybe a little bit too, because the first step really is to like look for signs, to just be aware that this could be happening. The rates are pretty high. Chances are there is somebody in your class. And, you know, there's somebody that you see in your daily like process, whether you're going to the grocery store or the, the coffee shop or something, there's somebody around you that's that's having these thoughts. And so looking for signs is really important. Um, things like um, changes in sleep patterns or behavior patterns, um, increasing that isolation, withdrawing from friends and activities, um, decreased work performance, um, increasing substance use, um, v- various things changes in a person that that maybe you're able to notice um and then so that's kind of like the first step is just being aware that this is a thing and maybe we can uh, see see something um one of the things that i think uh, especially uh, you know maybe college students are running into is sometimes people will joke about death mm-hmm. and suicide right and I, I i've heard you know this like oh man i should just kill myself Right. And they're and and it's it's they're being sarcastic, they're joking. But you don't always know. Right. It could actually be like a feeler. Like, right. is somebody out there listening to me? Are right. they are they okay if I talk about it? Like people can often use humor to like broach 
sensitive subjects, right? And so if they put it out there, nobody picks up on it or everybody just gets too skittish or something. Well, that's sending the message that it's not okay to talk about that in this right. space. Right. So those signs that you're looking for, you know, one of the things that came up for me when you were listing those is they, a lot of those signs can also be signs of depression, right? Mm -hmm. And not everybody who's depressed is suicidal. Correct. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, again, going back to the very beginning of this conversation, you're not going to plant the seed if they've mm -hmm. already thought about it. So even if they're depressed but not suicidal, it's still okay to ask. Absolutely. And if they're not, they'll be like, no, that's not me. And you're no worse off. But if they are having that conversation, asking that question yeah. can save a life. So you start to notice some of these signs. You're starting mm -hmm. to be concerned. Mm -hmm. Now what? Empathizing and listening, just kind of opening up that conversation. Um, you know, things like, I can see something's going on with you. Do you want to talk about it? Um, oftentimes, um, you know, we rush in to fill that gap when we're uncomfortable about having this conversation. So taking that deep breath and just letting the other person talk, right? They have something going on with them. They need some some place to hold it for, for even a moment that's not so overwhelming anymore. Um, and so, you know, summarizing what they hear or what you've heard. So, so I hear that you're feeling hopeless or I feel you, it sounds like you're feeling alone and that sounds really overwhelming. I'm really glad you're talking to me about this. Um, of course, um, offering compassion in any way, um, and not offering advice in this moment, advice isn't going to help. And they're, they're just not, that's just not a place, um, that we really want to go. It's just, just listening to their story and where they're at and being with them, breathing with them, just being present, uh, without rushing in to, to fix things. You know, when you when you mentioned this, you were talking about listening with empathy also. And, you know, when I hear that, it's um, trying to put aside the judgment, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because I think, um, you know, we all have either experiences or opinions about suicide. Yes. Right? Whether it's based upon family mm -hmm. experience, our religious beliefs, whatever it is, right? But there can be a lot of judgment around those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're feeling suicidal. That means you're nuts, you're crazy, you're bad, right? Mm -hmm. All No, set those judgments aside. If you have those, set them aside mm -hmm. and just be present. Yeah. Yeah. Even for just a moment, right? Because as soon as that, those judgments come up, you're shutting down the conversation. Right. And that person gets the message, you're not a safe person to talk to. There might not be anyone else in their life. Right. And so... Can you spare a moment to put aside any judgments and just be with this person? So you're listening, mm -hmm. right? And that can be, like you said, it's such an incredible, incredibly powerful thing to do, but also can feel like we're not doing anything. Yes. Like, yes, it can. Right? All I'm doing is listening. Am I doing enough? But listening is an action word. It, right. it literally is a verb, something that we are doing. Right. Um, so if you can kind of frame it in that way and kind of rem remind that part of you that feels like you're not really doing anything, you are. And it is, you're doing a lot in that moment, so much. So at that point, you're listening, you're hearing, and you're starting to feel it out. You're starting to get an idea that maybe somebody's having some suicidal, suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. Okay at that point to ask? Yes. Just be direct? Be direct. Because if you try to like kind of dance around it, but not really ask about it, you're still kind of sending that message that you're uncomfortable with talking about this. Right. And that person 
it could very likely withdraw. So just be really direct. Like we said uh, many times, it's not going to plant that idea right. in their head. And asking calmly in a straightforward way adds clarity because then you don't leave the conversation feeling like, well, are they or aren't they? You know, like just asking the question direct, you get a clear answer um, and you're not you're not going to um, put them in a place where they haven't already been. Right. Kind of thing. You know, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, because I think what I sometimes will hear from um, students when they are worried about somebody is they will ask, um, have you thought about hurting yourself? Mm, which is a different question. Okay, tell me about that. Very different question. Um, a lot of times what comes in with that, when you think of hurting, um, that's, a, that's kind of a way to lead into the question about killing yourself. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of other things there too. Um, for, um, for instance, people use other um, coping strategies that involve hurting their bodies physically. Right. Um, so cutting themselves to release some kind of tension in their bodies or burning. Um, so, and the point is just like not everybody who's depressed ha is suicidal. Um, not everybody who self harms as a coping strategies is intending to end their life. Um, yes, self harming can lead to end of life um, if it, it goes too far. Um, but oftentimes there, it's a very different strategy for a very different type of um, release. And so um, if you're too vague with, are you planning on hurting yourself? Um, you're not really actually getting to the question and the clarity that you're looking for. So asking instead, are you thinking about ending your life? Are you thinking about killing yourself? Mm -hmm. Those are questions that are mm -hmm. more direct and they get more to the heart of the point. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if you feel like it's a little bit of a stretch or it feels too harsh or something like, feel free to kind of like pad your question a little bit, mm -hmm. like something like, you know, Sometimes when people are feeling depressed or losing interest in activities or feeling really overwhelmed in the moment, um, they have thoughts of ending their life. Is that something you've experienced? So kind of also normalizing, normalizing it. Yes. Opening up the conversation, letting them know, like, you're not an anomaly. You're not crazy. You're not stupid. Like, this is this is part of the human experience to have these thoughts. And I just want to check in with you. Is that happening for you? Yeah. Um, so, Okay. Now we've done kind of, we've assessed the situation. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, I see a concern here. The person has expressed the fact that they have thought about actively killing themselves. Mm -hmm. Now what? Yes, exactly. Now what? So we get back to that point. Um, the next step is to remove dangers. Um, if the person has a specific plan. So after you ask if they are thinking about ending their life, you're going to ask do you have a plan for doing that? Mm -hmm. And if they say no, um, that's an opportunity to, um, you know, kind of see if they're interested in, in getting help in other ways because it's not um, imminent or there's there's not something concrete formed in their mind. Um, but if they do say yes, like, yes, I have a plan, um, then you ask, is do you have a way for carrying out the plan? Um, there are a lot of common ways that people do that. Yeah. Um, and so if they do have a plan and they have a way of carrying that out, um, what we want to do is create time and distance between any moment when they might follow through on that plan and their ability to follow through on that plan. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if their plan is to use a gun that's in their house somewhere, um, 
removing that danger and creating time and space is to either lock it up and put the key somewhere at somebody else's house or somewhere different um, so that they it's a long process for them to get to the means of yeah. ending their life. Um, or things like, um, you know, medication is also another really mm -hmm. common one. So, um, you know, having a roommate hold your medication or having, you know, uh, somebody else um, help you with that so you don't have access to, an, uh, you know, a large supply of it. Um, where you can easily, in, in a moment of despair or a moment of hopelessness, just go for it. So by creating time and space and putting barriers between um, a person who has active suicidal thoughts and their ability to follow through on it, that's going to give an opportunity for them to maybe rethink it mm. or for somebody else to intervene in the moment um, and just really finding ways to um, yeah, create that time and space between and an and impulse and intention to follow through and the ability to follow through. At what point does somebody need to get a professional involved? Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good question. And at any point, if you're even having a conversation and concerned about someone, yeah. um, all of those could be opportunities for getting a professional involved, even if it's not active suicidalization, but more of that passive kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but if we're thinking that there is imminent risk, like they are in a heightened state, very crisis and, and actively going for the means of ending their yeah. life, yeah. that's when we want to intervene. Um, immediately yeah. um and i suppose that I, mean, I use the word professional but it doesn't necessarily mean counselor right yes. it, this could be um somebody else who has the means and resources to help maybe mm -hmm. it's a professor maybe it's a ra right mm -hmm. maybe it's a family member right yeah or a spiritual leader right. or something like that right. mm -hmm. but finding somebody else to show and I, I think this goes back to what we talked about earlier right that that person has a team yes you're not alone we, there are other people mm -hmm. who've got eyes on you we care about you and our our job is to keep you alive mm -hmm. so we're here for you mm -hmm. yeah. yeah exactly yeah exactly what about um, special cultural or uh, considerations or social considerations? I, the, the, what I'm thinking specifically about is about um, veterans, right? Mm -hmm. We hear a lot, I think, in the news about veteran suicide. And um, as taboo of a subject as suicide is in the military, it's possibly even more taboo to mm -hmm. talk about mental health. Mm -hmm. what, what do you think people need to know when you're working with somebody or encountering somebody who, or you belong to an organization like you're a veteran population or something like that? Um, I think the most important thing to know is you are not alone. There are so many people working um, to help people yeah. um, and to reduce the stigma and the taboo around it. Um, many people know that this is all too prevalent, um, in, yeah. in some communities. Um, and so, yeah, I think the main, the main thing to know is that you're not alone. There are yeah. people out there to help you. And, um, I'm sure we'll be putting a lot of resources here. Lots of links in this <laughs> There's yep. going to be so many, and some of them are going to be like the general, you know, the 988 that hopefully everybody has heard of, but if you haven't, um, 
the 988 uh, Suicide and Crisis Lifeline um, is really important. But there are specific lines for people in specific populations who um, have people on the other end who really understand that. They're, you know, for veterans, for LGBTQ, um, for people of color, like there's many, many resources. And we, we really want to make sure that you are seen and heard in all of the ways and uh, in all the components that make up you. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else haven't we covered that we think is important to address in this topic? Because yeah. we could we could probably talk about this for days because it's so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one other thing to mention is that if you are observing or with somebody who is um, experiencing suicidal thoughts um, or even active or passive, you know, you yourself don't have to do it alone mm. um, and make sure that you feel safe as well. Um, so if you um, are in a situation where you don't feel safe, call for help, right? Yeah. Um, you, even putting in some of these numbers, just putting them into your phone at, when you're done listening to this, like just get, be prepared so you have the things so that when you need it, um, you have it. Right. Um, even practicing the conversation in the mirror, asking directly. Um, so you, you've practiced using words that feel authentic to you. Um, but the thing is, is um, be present. Don't stay silent about this yeah. um, and take care of yourself um, because you too are also very important. <laughs> Thank you for spending time talking about such an important topic. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you to Teresa Hoffman, one of the other counselors here at UW-Bothell for joining me this week. Now, like I said at the beginning of this episode, you are not alone. There are a bunch of resources available to you in the description of this week's episode, including the counselors here on campus that you can meet with. I wanna personally remind you that you do matter. You are important. And the world is a hell of a lot better place with you in it. The pain you're experiencing, it's gonna pass. And there is hope. You got this. The Crow's Nest Podcast represents the opinions of the host and the guests on the show. The content and views do not necessarily represent the views of the University of Washington. The content on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute advice or services. Because every person is unique, make sure you consult with a professional about your specific questions and individual health care needs. If you need immediate mental health support, call 988. Visit 988lifeline.org or access care anytime using the MySSP app.